Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O C-O. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Hello guys and welcome to another episode of the Stardom Cast, your monthly audio source for all things World Wonder Ring Stardom. I'm your host Rob Gooden. I'm joined as ever by Chris O'Brien. How you doing, buddy? Not, I've, I've been worse, I suppose. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. How are you holding up under the current circumstances of uh, the lockdown and that sort of thing? It's weird, like, last we spoke, I was under the most amount of stress I've ever been in my life because I was finishing an honours degree. But now I don't know what to do with myself. I miss being stressed. <laughs> it's always the way, isn't it? You've got, you've at least got the structure of having something to do. But uh, mm-hmm. the moment that's taken away, you feel at odds and ends with yourself. It, it's weird. It is a weird situation. You'll get used to it, trust me. Um, but yeah, it's it's it seems like forever since we did an episode of this podcast. And I don't think anyone could have anticipated how much the landscape would have changed in between the two podcasts that we did. I mean, this podcast, for those for those unaware, this podcast has gone under about three different names. Now we we're going to do about three different things and then just, just awful thing after awful thing seemed to happen. So we're here today... Um, First, to speak about the the tragic death of uh, Hannah Kimura, and then second, to have a retrospective of the career of Arisa Hashiki, who unfortunately retired, uh, relinquishing the Wonder of Stardom Championship on the 20th of May, uh, just over a year into her reign with the championship. Um, let's, let's get straight into it, Chris. Um... Obviously, on the 23rd of May, 2020, uh, Hannah Kimura died at the age of 22. Um, this was this was heart-wrenching. Um, and this affected me in a, in a way I didn't expect it to at all. Um, there's so many things about this that are just awful. And there's so many circumstances surrounding this that are awful. Um, but we're going to talk about a few of them now. But most importantly, we are going to celebrate things about Hannah Kimura. We are going to celebrate the good things about Hannah Kimura. Now, I know that I am a relative noob, not even a relative noob, a noob to um, stardom as a whole. But even in the relatively short time in watching the promotion, Hannah was one of the bright 
sparks of the promotion, something that someone that drew me in with her charisma, her just her persona, the personality that she had, just just drew me in. And she was one of the characters that you are automatically drawn to. Um, but to go into her death, um, prior prior to her body being found, um, she had posted some graphic images on her Twitter feed um, portraying self-harm and um, these were these were taken down and I thought that was the end of it from perfectly honest Chris when I I saw this I saw that obviously everyone on Twitter was you know trying to get in touch with people that knew Hannah that could get to Hannah um, and once the tweets were taken down I was I was hopeful that someone had got to or someone had talked her down and things were okay. Um, and then, obviously, with the time difference between Japan and the UK, um, I woke up the next day to find that she had, unfortunately, passed away. And I don't know, Chris, whether it's the circumstances, which we'll get into in a minute, whether it's what caused it, whether it's the fact that she was on her own. It just I I didn't expect any it to affect me the way it has. It it truly is awful. Yeah. Um No there's nothing you can say. It's ridiculous like the circumstances surrounding it, of course. Almost part and parcel with putting yourself out there, and it's a wonder anyone does really. And it is, and it's ridiculous. I, I didn't see any of the um, any of the stuff until like you posted because I I don't go on Twitter very often nowadays, um, and mostly because wrestling Twitter is fucking unusable. Um. So then, like, went to bed, woke up um, at 12pm, because I'm a piece of shit, and, yeah, you had posted in the group chat about it, and I'm like, oh, fuck, I've been, like, I learned all this shit straight straight away, and it's like, yeah, I've, don't know, like, it, it's always weird when someone my age dies. Yeah, um... Part of me wanted to do this podcast earlier um, as a tribute to her, um, but purely selfishly, I couldn't. I couldn't find the words. I Stuff like this hits home without getting into too much detail, and I didn't want to talk about it, but we owe it to Hannah to talk about it. Um, you mentioned, Chris, obviously putting yourself out there on Twitter. Um, we are, of course, referring to the fact that the widely believed reason that Hannah took her own life is the result of the cyberbullying um, that she was subjected to as a result of her appearances on Terrace House. Terrace House is a Netflix program in Japan. Um, for all intents and purposes, and I am by no means an expert, um, it is Big Brother, from what I can guess, um, where 
you are encouraged to live with. I think most of them are not massive celebrities, but relative, relative celebrities. Um, and the storylines are then obviously um, based around how you interact and how you build relationships with the people that you live with. Um, for the most part, um, Hannah was quite liked. Um, she started sort of, a, I don't want to say story. I just, there was sparks between her and one of the housemates and that fell through, um, which upset greatly. And then there was one, another man, I believe his name is Kai, that she started, there wasn't a relationship there or anything like that, but I know that there was something there. And basically she asked him to wash her uh, wrestling attire that she was going to be using at the Tokyo Dome. And he did and ruined it for, uh, for all intents and purposes, putting the washing machine in the dryer and it shrunk in the wash. Um, and Hannah got very, very angry, slapped the cap off Kai's head and basically that was that. And almost instantly after this outburst, um, the criticism began to roll in. And criticism is a light term for the things that have been screenshotted that she was sent. Um, just awful, awful stuff. Everything ranging from you need to go away to you should die. Um, which no one should ever be sent. No one should ever have the right to say that and to another human being. It becomes weirdly desensitizing on like how often people say that but like from personal experience when you're getting called told something like that on a daily basis by several people give this sort of like yeah probably the problem is that when you are in the public eye as hannah is you are exposed to more and the reports range to hundreds to even thousands of these comments a day and this is this will be hard on anyone but for someone who was bullied as a child for being half japanese she was she's half indonesian half japanese um for being subjected to bullying from that younger age all the way through to her age of 22 and then to have this blown up in her face and to be subjected to what she was subjected to and then to be subjected to it in the current climate where you are alone, where you can't go to see anyone, where you can't be with anyone, where you are locked in a house with your own thoughts, with your own feelings, with all this, this cloud of hate. I can't even begin, Chris, to comprehend what must have been going through this poor girl's head during all of this, you know, from the things that she posted to the fact that she took her cat to the stardom dojo to the fact that she was alone it, it and the fact that this was so preventable, I think that's what really upset me Hannah Kimura died at the age of 22 22 years old. In England, that is a year coming out of university. That is 
no one should be dying at the age of 22. Not not in this circumstance, not in any circumstance, but especially because of something that has been an issue for so long in how we use social media, how people conduct themselves on social media, those people who seem to think that social media has no consequences, that you can post what you want, when you want, when everyone seems to go from 1 to 100 in the blink of an eye and goes from perfectly fine to all outrage in the space of 30 seconds and to come up with these horrendous things that you would never say to anyone's face. You simply wouldn't, but because it's a screen, because it's a keyboard, because you can't see the person that you are saying these things to, it suddenly, in the mind of these people, makes it okay. And it's not. And this is rightly going to bring about change in the way people use social media. I know that Japan are in the process of looking at different laws where, for example, people have got to post their uh, phone numbers or have got to link a phone number with all of their social media accounts so that they can be held responsible. But the fact that it has gotten to this toxic level is unacceptable. And quite frankly, Chris, I, we we didn't know this at the way that she took her own life and I've, I've I literally read it before we came online and I don't think we should read I'm it not going to don't we worry definitely put content warnings at the beginning of this podcast but yeah I, I don't, we're not going to talk about that I just I want to say that to think that this has been caused by other people is horrendous it is horrendous um why I'm going to say, and this is this is the last bit on this sort of bit for me, we have to be better as people. We have to be better to the people we talk to. We need to be better to the people on social media. We need to be better. We need to be nicer, kinder. We need to make sure that, as I posted on Twitter when this happened, we need to be using social media to build people up, not to knock people down. Because at the moment, it is so much easier to knock people than to build them. And it's not right. And if I hear one more person qualify what they're doing as banter, banter is on exit. If you qualify, you know, upsetting someone or making a joke at someone's expense as banter, that's, that's not on. That's not on. There's a difference between having a joke with friends and destroying someone's self-confidence, destroying someone's self-esteem, and that is ultimately what has happened here. And our thoughts, prayers, good wishes, everything go out to Kyoko, to Jungle Kiona, to everyone that worked with Hannah, who was friends with Hannah, who knew Hannah, who was touched by this person's absolute beauty inside and outside her from all for all intents and purposes from stories that everyone whether they be wrestlers or fans all the stories that these people have produced paint her as an absolute saint and rightly so chris yeah 
Um, okay, so Hannah's actually one of the first people I paid attention to when I first started Stardom on like the request of Pulse, who like did a status guide for Stardom. He was like, okay, start on the day before the draft, and then the draft, and then like you're free to watch whatever you want. So that's what I did. And like his first one that really caught my eye, mostly because like her, her attire was like striking. It was unbelievably colourful. She had a big gas mask. Did she have the samurai sword at that point? At some point, she gets a katana. And yeah, I don't think there's been a single stardom cast we've done, but Hannah's been where we haven't qualified what we said about her before saying she's the best promo in stardom. Because she just was. Absolutely. Uh, you can. T- she was second generation in the best way, where like you can tell she just had a. Um, a knack for the business. She knew what to lean into to get popular, but like she knew what to do to get big. But the reason why she was basically Stardom's Western ambassador for a while, like she'd always be going off to like Ring of Honor and shit like that. And she was on the G1 Supercard along with Kagetsu and Izuki and also May, but we don't talk about that much. <laughs> um, she was getting better in Ring every time you saw her. Like, that's why you can ask for a young wrestlers to continue improving. And like at 22, she was better than like at 22 years old, she was better than anyone you anyone you'd see with double experience in any um, local Fed, and was only continuing to get better, continuously adding to her moveset. Um, it's the youngest champion in Japanese history because she was <laughs> she won the DDT Ironman Heavyweight Championship when she was what 2005. So she would be seven, I think. No, yeah, seven. No, eight. Eight, sorry, I apologise. Yeah, yeah, I should know that because I'm the same age as her. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, she and then lost it to her mother. That's just weird. Um, <laughs> to, uh, to preface this belt, like, we didn't actually have seven-year-old Kimura wrestling. Um, the DDT Ironman uh, Heavy Metal Weight Championship is a belt that can be won by literally anything. And like by thing, I mean thing. It's been held by two different sex dolls, um, three different ladders, a trash can, um, Jack the Jobber from Cultaholic, and the belt itself. <laughs> I don't know how. I can't find that footage. But like, if you look at the history, the belt's been held by the belt, and I don't understand how that works. Um... <laughs> But yeah, like she, she, she was, really, she was essentially the Naito of um, New Japan and Mount. She was leading their sort of anti-hero faction. She was probably the most popular person, but not getting title shots. Well, she was. She did win five star, but like not winning titles because she was just not quite there yet. And you could sense she was getting there like very, very, very quickly. Like, yeah. This thing, her official debut wasn't until like 2016. I was just going to say, her career was just, it was astronomical in some respects. I mean, she was 22 years old, her debut 2016. So she had four four years ring experience, max. And she was one of the four people chosen to represent stardom at the Tokyo Dome. Um, She's held multiple championships in stardom. And I wanted to go back, Chris, on your um, comment about how she was getting better every day or every match. 
in ring and nowhere because I went back and watched some matches with Hannah Kimura in ready, you know, because I thought I need to watch more. I, I owe it to her. And nowhere was that more obvious than her last run in the five star mm-hmm. where she but pulled out was- bangers against Mayu, bangers against uh, Hazuki, um, and a banger against, I think it was Momo. And all three of those yeah, I- matches were great. Is five stars as much like the G one or Champions Carnival great matches get buried because of how just how much of it there is. Yeah. No, I get that. No, I get that. It's just, you know, all the time she was getting better. And to be chosen to win the five star you've you sensed that big things were coming for Hannah Kimura. And, you know, that feud with Julia. Um, you know, Julia this big signing that um, you, um stardom had made this big thing about and she she'd sort of been just floating until her feud with Hannah and that match at the year end climax was great Bruta- brutality it was wonderful and we reviewed it i think in our first ever episode of the yeah. stardom cast and i talked He's- about how we did spend half the time slating Julia, but we have a half-trading Hannah. Yeah, and I'm, I, I will say that Julia is getting better, in my opinion. That's not the point of this, but I just wanted to get that in there. Um, but yeah, you know, she's had belt opportunities. She leads the most, or she led the most popular faction. And yeah, that, that trio of her, Jungle Kiona and Konami was great, was really, really great. And they were headed for such good things, which is upsetting in itself. Um, I wanted to ask you, Chris, if you could pick one or two, let's go two, why not? If you could pick two of your favourite Hannah Kimura memories from your time watching Stardom, because you have been watching Stardom a lot longer than I have, what would they be? Literally about a year this month. Um... The banana in May's hand, because what the fuck? <laughs> that was amazing. Just the, just, the look on Mayu's face. No, it's just a case of she was just eating a banana, and like, and like because it's Hannah, you're just sort of not questioning it. It's like, of course she's eating a banana. And then she just puts it in um, in May's hand, and she's like, do you, want, do you want this back? And she's like, no. So in this official photo shoot. But, but I don't know why she didn't just throw it down. Um... It was the fact that they then had the official pre-tournament photograph and yeah. with Mayu holding the banana skin. What would have made that even more perfect if she'd have used that in some sort of DDT fashion to win um, the match later on. <laughs> like, she throws it down, Hannah takes the bump, and one, two, three. Um, <laughs> um, okay, what else? This is a weird one. The draft last year. Okay, what about it? Okay, so basically I have a draft work last year. There was five. Um, there were five factions in Stardom. One would be knocked out in the draft and Jungle Kiona Jan was knocked out. And then it was between Hannah, who had just returned and started forming her own faction, like the pre-TCS. Um, to, and Jungle was the first drafted because she was like, yeah, you almost killed me. Why wouldn't I have you on my team? <laughs> Um, I think I think mine is uh, is both the banana skin and 
weirdly, it's it's the Julian match. It might not be, you know, a five-star classic by any stretch of the imagination, but it was my first real foray into the Hanakamura sort of match. And it was different to everything else on that card. You know, I know there was heat between the two, you know, storyline heat between the two, and that was the point of the match, the brutal brawling of the match. But it was something completely different. And I loved that about it. She, again, she was captivating. She was charismatic. She she drew your eye. You know, you can't help but watch Hannah Kimura when she's on your screen. And I, I found that in this match. I just found her so fucking enjoyable to watch. It was it was great. Um, obviously, her last match was the Cinderella tournament uh, from March this year, uh, where she fought to a time limit draw. Oh no, it wasn't a time limit draw. They both got um, they both went it, over the top rope, wasn't it? Her it and fairly, Mayu. I think it's a fairly creative spot. It was. Feel should have been involved. It was. I wish one of them had progressed, but you know you I can't have everything. Rest in that tournament. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but I think to round this off. Um, one, I am just going to um, shout out the Eastern Lariat podcast with Strigger and Dylan, who did just the most beautiful, touching, emotional and personal tribute to Hannah Kimura on their latest episode. So I actively encourage you to go and check that out from two people who have been following Hannah from you know years and years and years ago. Please go and check that out. It's it's really, really good listening. It, it really does pay testament to... Uh, Hannah as a person. Um, secondly, um, let's remember Hannah as more than the reason she's been put onto so many national news sites. I mean, it was on BBC News in the UK, which is our big sort of news uh, network. Remember her for more than that. Remember her for her charisma, remember her for the sunshine and the light and the happiness she brought to everyone that she knew. You know, read stories of her on Twitter and how good a person she was. Remember her as more than the cause of death because that is not fair on her. And finally, just be better. If you know that you can be better, and I know I'm one of those people, you know, I'm never horrible to people on Twitter, but I know that, you know, I can reach out to people and things like that. Do it. Just please do it. Try and be positive. Try and be better because being toxic and social media being what it is at the moment has led to the death of a 22-year-old woman who had her entire life ahead of her, not just wrestling, her entire life ahead of her. And for her to have been robbed of that is heartbreaking. So I think I speak for both me and Chris by just saying be better and rest in peace, Hannah. Um, moving on from this then, um, which <laughs> I, I say with a massive degree of difficulty, I'm not going to lie. Um, we move on to Arisa Hashiki, who unfortunately, just before this on May 20th, um, announced that she will be retiring from stardom 
um, relinquishing the wonder of Stardom Championship with a reign ending at just over a year. Um, this was because of a culmination of head and neck injuries that she announced in the post and her announcement that she'd actually been struggling with for nearly a year, which means that her entire run from 2008, well, 2019, May 2019, when she won the belt off Momo at um, Stardom May Gold. Golden May. Golden May. I keep calling it May Gold, and I know it's Gold May, and my head knows it's Gold May, but my face doesn't want to say that, and I don't know why. Um, Which means that she was wrestling most of the time in excruciating pain, which... Like, we'll get into it in a second, but, like, she didn't show any sign of slowing down until at least after the five-star. And even then, those ma- a lot of those matches were still great. Absolutely. Absolutely. You look at those matches with... And the entire pardon me, premise of the second half of this podcast is a retrospective of... Yeah, because yeah, essentially what was happening, I think we were going to do Momo. So we were going to do Momo or Jungle versus Queen's Quest. I can't remember at this stage. And as soon as Arisa retired, just Rob just basically says to me, "Go and do you want?" <laughs> probably sensing how upset I was going. Hey, do you just want to do Arisa's? I'm like, yes, <laughs> yes, I do. Well, it was like, yeah, it was like after Tony Stark died and Happy sat next to his daughter. <laughs> I was like, what do you want? I'm like, I want to watch Arisa matches. Okay, okay. Um. So yeah, we are we are going to do a retrospective of that last uh, Wonder of Stardom Championship run. Um, and obviously, I know, Chris, I'm going to throw to you in a sec. I know that she was your favourite wrestler and one of the main reasons, if not the reason, you actually got into stardom in the first place. Um, but just looking down this list of matches, you know, you look at the matches she had, especially at the start. So she took the belt off Momo in uh, May, the 16th of May 2019. She then had at least one match a month before she retired, which means that she's had, I believe, was this her four? She was on a 13th defense. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, sorry, hang on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 11. nine, ten. Yeah, she was on her 11th title defense. Well, well 11th title match because she wanted to murmur. Um, yeah, and I remember when she she pulled out of No People Gate really last minute. And, like, nothing was announced, so everyone had just assumed she got COVID or something. And then it's like, oh, by the way, I'm retiring. It's like, oh, shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I remember both of us thinking, well, why is she not in the Cinderella tournament? Yeah, nothing was announced. And, like, I guess this is why, but still, like, it was a really weird time. And. I should probably preface this by saying we're only covering the first four defences, um, the first four matches rather, not count, um, apart from the, Ro- the Roxy match at Pro Wrestling Eve, because it's like even canon, I don't know. Um, and then, like, we're going to... Because we've covered three matches of her post-five-star run on the cast already. And then the other one, the other three are just... It's time constraints, basically. So we'll go over the other three, but we're going over the first four in detail like we normally would. 
Yeah, and that's not to say that we aren't going to talk about those other ones. We'll give crib notes to them, but we just want, because we've already covered the Konami defense, the Utami defense, and um, to a certain extent, or, well, a bit of a lesser extent, really, the B Priestley defense, um, we wanted to really go into those four, those first four matches, like Chris said, with the exception of the Roxy match um, at Pro Wrestling Eve. I can mention the Roxy match, because um, we were only going to rewatch four of I've I've seen all of these, so I had opinions on all of them. When I fell down a rabbit hole and watched them all. Well, you can give crib notes to that because I, yeah. I'll hold my hand up. I didn't watch these. I have watched most of them. Um, I haven't watched that one. The blind spots uh, Hater could get to in Avery. Um, I haven't watched the Avery match. I've watched the Hater match and I watched part of the Kagetsu match. Um, but then something corrupted on my phone. It was really, really strange. It just wouldn't play the rest of the video, so I didn't watch the rest of that one. But we'll get into that well, in a moment. Anyway. Um, um, before we start, Chris, obviously I know yeah. Arisa is your fave. Um, she debuted originally in 2011, left in 2012. She then made a return in 2018, and you started watching uh, around about it, this time, what, 2019? I literally started watching in the May of 2019, so around the time um, she won it, and then I got properly invested after her tan match. So, what drew you to Arisa? Um, she kicks people really fucking hard, Rob. <laughs> she, that is undeniable, okay. Chris. Yeah. Okay. Um, this is gonna. So you know how a lot of my enjoyment of wrestling comes in very specific things. Elaborate, please. Like, for example, my favorite thing about the G one, um, the G one climax was old man Nagata dropping young people on their head. Okay. Yes. Um, I am a big fan of the unassuming badass. Ah, uh, yeah, I can see where this is going. In, so, so sort of in the same way that you, if you saw Spider, um, Peter Parker, you wouldn't assume he's Spider Man. If you just look like at like J-pop queen Arissa, you're not going to think, oh, she could probably give someone a concussion. No, I'm completely with you on that, and I'd go a step further, actually, Chris. You watch all. Of her pre-match interviews, and yeah. she's just happy, <laughs> smiley, you know, cuddly Arisa. But, but then also she's cussing promos about, yeah, I'm going to kick you. Oh. Well, she's an... and like that's sort of what, what I like to run. Like near the end of it, she became a fucking psychopath. Well, I was just going to say the first. So the first match against Momo, we'll get into these in a minute uh, properly. Her first match against Momo, she was like, oh, you know, I'm going for the belt. You know, I'm, I'm really happy. It was your typical babyface promo. She then got to her Hazuki her, her match from, uh, I think it was July. Yeah, it was the July show. And she just went, I'm going to welcome Hazuki with kicks to the head. And then you jumped to who was Tami Defense um, in January of this year. And she's pulling Uta- um, a very clearly um, not right Utami around by her fucking head. Yeah. That... <laughs> and that, like, so that was divisive at the time when we watched it the first time. Yeah, it's still divisive now. Like, some people still think, um, call it a match of the year. Some people are Rob. Um... <laughs> Where do you fall in that? I fall somewhere in the middle, but like more towards. Like, I, I give it a high eight, low ninth. Okay, and I think I gave it a seven, didn't I? You gave it. You tried to give it a six. We, I talked you up to a seven. <laughs> well, I have rewatched it, so we can talk about that as well. Because you asked me about the Tam match, which obviously I'd rewatched. Um, yeah, 
in case you don't know, we I finally got Rob to cover it on a Young Lion once. Um, if you want to hear like his impression of the match before he was a Stardom fan, go listen to that. But I am actually curious to see how it changed. But we do need to get through the admin of the Momo match first. <laughs> we do. So let's let's delve into this, Chris. So 16th of May 2019 from the Stardom Gold May Show 2019. Wonder of Stardom title match between Arisa Hashiki and the champion of Momo Watanabe, who at the time was on a record-breaking reign of her own. Defense, I believe this was. I believe it was... For, did you say 14th, then? Did... I think it's. I think it was 15th. Hang on, I actually have a Wonder of Stardom page up here, so I can tell you. Okay. Um, matches... Nah, 14th defense. It was a 14th defense. I thought it was, yeah. and I think she referenced it in a promo. Okay, because essentially with uh, Momo, her thing was what well, are, well, are you sure I did with the title? Where it's like, yeah, I'll come and come at, come have a go. Um, and so like, it made her look like a badass because people would come to her, and like she challenged all like Natsu Sumire had a fucking title match. Bizarre, bizarre. It, it is bizarre, but also I kind of want to see that. I bet it was good. So, to like, be fair. It's kind of like I have a morbid curiosity of a Torriano's one IWGP championship shot. Oh, like, actually, with Natsu Sumire, I think um, the better comparison would be um, Yijira. <laughs> yes, potentially. Um, but yeah, um, by the way, very quickly, how weird is this card? Um, I'll be honest, Chris, I didn't watch the rest of the card. I didn't even look at the rest of the card. Just just on paper, why is Kagetsu and Tony Storm having a time limit draft? I, I can't Tony answer Storm, that. This is in May. This is like three months after we saw her in Blackpool. Um, and then Hazuki's getting a World of Stardom Championship match because, quite frankly, it's B Priest's reign. Right. And people shit on B Priest's reign. Right. I think it's fine. Anyway, this match, what did, what did you think? I'm actually more curious to hear what you think but rather than. So. It went 13 minutes, 12.57 it went. And yes. the big thing I noticed was, if you look at um, Arisa's reign later on and Mayu's reign with the red belt, they're very good at playing from the bottom. But a champion, ordinarily, will be the one in peril, then fights from underneath, rallies and retains the championship. Momo was not that person. Momo... <laughs> decided to try and kill Arisa, which is absolutely what we want Momo to do. I mean, I don't. <laughs> well, I know you don't. Um, but this was everything I could have wanted in a 13-minute match. It was brutal. It was, at times, a little bit uncomfortable to watch. And honestly, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it, as I have enjoyed every single Momo Watanabe match. What I did enjoy was... In pre-match promo, Momo was like, I don't want to get kicked. So, in the early stages, was trying to keep um, Arisa's legs locked so she wouldn't get kicked. Amazed as well, because, obviously, everyone knows and everyone referenced in their in their promos just how devastating uh, Arisa's kicks are, which they are, Jesus Christ, they are. They, look, they sound like you've been shot. But there's only... I don't think there's a better sound, is there, in wrestling than an Arisa kick hitting? Um, I don't. There's well, only two real defenses in this entire run that we're going to look at where people actually focused solely 
on trying to take her legs. Yeah. Um, I think other people just watched it and realised it doesn't work, so you more need to learn how to take the kicks. Yeah, because obviously we had here Momo just basically trying to take Arisa's legs out from underneath, and you had Jungle later on, who, like, knowingly and very, very focused, worked on those legs to try and take the kicks out. And I think... Tam did... Tam also did for a bit, and I have thoughts on that. You also have thoughts on that. I feel it's going to end up in an argument and possibly... Um, the end of his podcast, but um, it went into a kick. This went into a kick exchange at one point, and I'm like, "That's not smart. Play smart, Momo." It it was very very weird that she would cut in her promo. I don't want to get kicked, and then would apparently resort to, "Do you know what? I'm going to see if I can out kick Arisa and see what happens." It's like it's like trying to beat a zombie in a brain eating contest. Um, sure. Sure. You know, one no weird thought I had while watching this match, because it's the first time I've watched Adam since um, last month when we did E versus um, May. Go, go on. Uh, you know how it's like no commentary? Yes. I was thinking in my head, what if it was golf commentators doing wrestling? Golf? Golf, you know, they're just sitting there going, oh, what a beautiful kick there. That's going to really help her in her campaign. Well, I, I don't think understated commentary would really do them the favours they were looking but, for. But by inverse, imagine if Jaya um, commentated golf. By God, it's a oh, hole in one! By God, he's got a birdie! He's got a birdie! I can't believe the sports referencing you're throwing out, to be perfectly honest, Chris. I just know what golf commentary sounds like. And I play, I play Wii Golf sometimes. Um... It was here that I first, like, I noticed it in the TAM match, and obviously we'll get into the TAM match. It was here that I really, really noticed just how good Arisa's striking was. Like, just the variety from the... I don't know if it's the 1399 or the 1399 or how... I'm going to call it the 1399. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Off the top rope, that roundhouse looks and sounds I just, just I amazing. How do you? It's so easy to have a move like that look fake as fuck. But it exactly, exactly, and it never ever does. And she won, like she won the Hazuki match with what was effectively a shining wizard. She she just she went channeled her inner Kento Miyahara in the jungle match by just spamming the knee strikes. And I say that in the opening bit, like Kento Miyahara is the best comparison you can come up with with like the champion who's just every defense is completely watchable whereas okada you have him going 40 minutes with fucking sonata <laughs> and you're like yeah, i can probably skip this one i must admit something that i did enjoy from match to match to match to match to match with arisa is she evolved in every match yeah exactly fucking take notes okada <laughs> in this match with momo she very much she was three moves. She had the diamond buster, which is that front power slam she has. She hit that three or four times. She hit one on the outside, and then she had a couple in the ring to set up the Adamus, that rounding moonsault. The aforementioned rounding moonsault, and then the kicks. You know, whether kicks, that be the Brazilian kick. kick that wins it or the 13.99. It was like she was, it was almost a desperation in this Momo yeah. match. Even, even, to be fair, Momo was getting death threat points. How many fucking peach sunrises did she hit? Well, 
she'd won the tag match and pinned Arisa before this with the Peach Sunrise. And then then Arisa got hit with, what, five Peach Sunrises? Well, no, she only got hit with one. Momo attempted to hit it, and then she finally hit one, and Arisa... it 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 was blocked beautifully because Momo hits it, and Arisa's legs obviously go over, and they hit the ropes. Yeah. It's just beautiful. I love it. It, it. You couldn't have done it any better. That kick out is up there with... Um, do you remember the Kenny Omega Jay White match? The one from New Beginning? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know when Jay White... Um, there was a kick out and no one had seen it because Jay White had literally only just got his shoulder off the mat. Yes. You've raved about this as well before. And it, it definitely wasn't in... Re- was it in reference to this? No. Anyway, you've you've raved about that before, definitely. Yeah, um, we're gonna have to do it on a classic at some point because that match is fucking un- um, underrated. But anyway, um, yeah, just but very simple story. A mum with the unstoppable legs, a Reese's for lovable underdog fight. <laughs> yeah, and eventually, Arisa does manage to hit the Brazilian kick, wins the championship at twelve minutes and fifty-seven seconds. Overall, Chris, love- a really really enjoyable match. Yeah, I love a Brazilian kick. Just, I love that tiny pause before she hits. It's like, huh? Well, skeet. <laughs> it's it's the fact there's a couple of defenses. Not in this one. There's a couple of defenses later on where um they'll duck the first one and then get yeah. hit with the rebound one, and that one looks even better in my opinion. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, I want to bring up a point here. Actually, how come a Stardom can have a twelve minute match and have it feel like a half hour epic and it's after it's done, you feel it's the best wrestling you've ever seen in your life. But then, like I was watching the Champions Carnival recently, and they have 12-minute matches, and they feel really anemic. Well, what I was going to say was, actually, this they managed to do everything they needed to do in the yeah, 13 they, minutes. They paced it. To, like It's so easy to have a 30-minute match and not sell for the entire thing, but they were both selling like throughout the match. Yeah, it was um, intense. It was urgent. You know, it didn't need to be any like it. You know, it might have benefited from maybe what twenty, thirty more seconds. I'm not going to complain for that amount of time. I mean, we yeah, are. We tend to complain for two hours at a time, but um, <laughs> but yeah, like it's weird because also after this match, like the next two matches were set up because Hazuki came out. They pulled each other hair, pulled each other's hair. The feud there will go on to that. Was, they basically want to hate fuck each other. And then you have Tam um, being forced to be part of Arisa's celebration, and she very clearly doesn't want to be there. The entire premise of this feud makes me laugh. What, the Tam and Arisa feud? Just... Yeah. Oh. Arisa's first, they're going, no, Tam's my best friend, and Tam's like, go away, go away, go away. You know what it's like? It's like Manises, <laughs> where one of them is like, so happy to be around the other one, and the other one's like she's getting to like eleven years old, and she's just like, ah, just everyone leave me alone. Exactly, <laughs> it's almost like if you look at Impact Wrestling from a couple of years ago, it's um, Ali and Rosemary. <laughs> you know, with like yeah. Ali giving her this big hug, and Rosemary's just like, Ugh. yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, literally. I sometimes feel it's the relationship me and Garth are gonna have um, going, going to in- have. Like, into the future, like, he'll just get sick of me and I'll just be there going, Garth's my best friend. <laughs> so we get like, to the 16th of June and yep. 
It's the Stardom Shining Destiny Tour 2019 uh, with Arisa uh, defeating and retaining against Tam Nakano in 21 minutes and 41 seconds. Now, Chris, you made me watch this match before. Yes. And I will be perfectly honest, people. Um, Bearing in mind this was A, my first Stardom match, and B, it was my first Stardom match in a bubble. I'd never seen any of the build-up or anything like that. And... Um, he would. He really wanted to hurt my feelings. <laughs> that wasn't anything to do with it, he says. Um, <laughs> it wasn't that. that. It was. I'd seen. I'd seen obviously you building it up as this absolutely wonderful match. Well, actually, I was building up a jungle match more, but like you picked this for some reason. And no, no, no. You you were very hot on this match. Very very hot on this match. Because it's like the ma- This is the match where Franny went. Oh. I get it now. Yeah, and I know that um, a lot of other people, a lot of other Stardom fans... Um, Voices of Wrestling gave us free, um, four and three quarter, which, like, if you ever read Voices of Wrestling, it's so hard to even get a four star on them. They, yeah, they, they are very hard to impress, and the fact that they gave this such a high mark is indicative of how good this match was. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was I was just... I don't know. I didn't enjoy it the first time round, and I don't know why. This gives you some indication. The first time that I watched the Konami match from December, the year-end climax, I initially enjoyed that match more than I enjoyed the Arisa and Tam match from June. Now, that might seem absolute lunacy, and I... Like I said, it was just personal preference, but obviously, with us doing this Arisa uh, retrospective, going back, I felt I needed to re-watch it. Now... Rewatching it, knowing what I know now, knowing a bit about the build-up, knowing the characters more, which I didn't think was important, and good God, it really, really is important. <laughs> it's it helped came... me enjoy the match significantly more this time. Because you came this around, this would have been around the time of like the climax of the Sonada Okada feud, which is like just two guys whose gimmick is that they don't have a personality. Yeah, 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 sort of. Whereas these were two women who, you know, Arisa is, she's not one dimensional. That mean that sounds like I'm criticizing her, and I'm not. You don't need to be multi layered in every single facet. She just kicks people's head off, and that's all she yeah. needs to do. She's lovable, but is a badass when she needs to be. She's <laughs> basically Kota Ibushi. It's like if Hello, it's like if John Wick and a Hello Kitty had a kid. Yeah, exactly. There doesn't need to be layers to that. Now, Tam is something quite similar, but throw in the wrinkle of the fact that Arisa wants to be closer than Tam does at any point ever, and this makes this match far oh. more compelling. But because I wasn't oh. familiar with uh. the Tam character, I wasn't familiar with the Arisa character going in the first time. I didn't enjoy it as much. However, I did enjoy it far more second time round. Chris, you'll be happy to know. Also, Tam has a um, was jealous of Arisa's relationship with May. Um, There's actually funny. There was a six. Um, there was a fight for the six man belts and um, the artist belts, and the whole the whole time Arisa was talking. Tam was just going, oh, why can't it just be me and May? Why can't it just be me and May? Why can't it just be me and May? <laughs> um, but yeah, like they, they, just because they're both in stars, like ever since Arisa returns, they've been in tag matches, and and Tam would just be a dick. 
Well, like weren't she... they in the Goddesses of Stardom Tag League later on? Yeah, they were in Tag League this year, um, later in the year, and Tam was still body slamming Arisa to get moves off. <laughs> um, but then they became best friends. It's wrestling's weird. Um, but yeah, just she wasn't very nice, and Arisa was like, "Right, I'm the champion now." I because it's weird. Like I mentioned before, how Momo basically used her platform to get um, to fight anyone, whereas. Arisa was like, right, I'm going to fight these very specific people. Okay. Uh, we should probably jump onto the actual match now. Um, this match is great. Like, honestly, if you're a Stardom fan and you haven't seen it, I don't get you. It's It's got the emotion and drama it needs to have. And that last five minutes, that closing last sequence, five. the yeah. kicks, the knee trades, and I will... I didn't think I'd see... or. Um, in stardom, anyone who does desperation better than Mayu. But in this match and in later defences, Arisa, when she is, you know, she's at the very, very end of everything she can take and she's just got that last bit, that last desperation, just enough to hit that Brazilian kick or hit that Shining Wizard or hit whatever move it is that gives her that little bit of room. The facial expressions, the emotion that she exudes, is second to none in that company. Yeah. Um, and again, going into this match, Tam had a strategy. She was going for the legs, not to hurt the legs, but to like just so she wouldn't get kicked. And like how Tam kicked again into leg locks was actually quite fun. Like at one point, she cartwheels into one, which is so creative and I love it. But then, like, as soon, soon as Arisa starts getting kicked off, she abandons that strategy because she's being overwhelmed by the kicks. And so she just starts. Being in the Matrix, <laughs> the, like the spot but, she did the same spot in the uh, Cinderella tournament. It was great. It's, so um, there's a point in this match. Um, they both end up on um, falling off a turnbuckle. Um, Tam forced to be outside. What Arisa does is go outside, hits a meteora, which then like Tam fully takes, but then Matrix is out of and hits a German suplex. <laughs> And, like, that's one of the best spots I've seen in my whole time watching Stardom. It's great. Um, and then, like, they just started kissing each other, hurting each other. Like, Tam and Avitrig have been going up top. Arisa cutting her off. Blech. Loving it. Forearming the shit out of each other. I'm a simple man, Rob. It's, it's, it, in the same way that I enjoy watching um, Godzilla fight um, Mothra, I enjoy watching Tam and Arisa fall around the shit out of each other for a minute. <laughs> There's nothing not to enjoy in that, Chris. I mean, honestly, you look at the matches that we enjoy in the G1 Climax or in All Japan, they are matches where two men just beat the shit out of each other because there's a stake at the end of the match. And that's all we needed. The, the added wrinkle of them, you know, Arisa wanting to be friends and Tam not wanting to be friends, added a great dynamic to it. But ultimately, these are two people that just but... wanted to lamp the shit out of each other to get that wonder yeah. of stardom title. By the way, how great was the look of shock on Tam's face after Arita kicked out the tiger? <laughs> she looked she did she looked confused more than anything. Like, wait what? Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> you know what it's like? It's like when um have you ever looked at a baby when you leave its peripheral vision? It was a bit like that. It was a little bit. It was a little bit. But Tam's another one who we've talked about Arisa having this, you know, this cute 
you know, sort of cuddly side, and then she goes out and she's absolutely terrified. Tam's even worse. With Tam, I believe it more because, like, she looks like a 10-year-old, and if you've ever met a 10-year-old, it's like, oh, yeah, no, they're fucking scared. She's if Kung Fu Panda was real. (laughs) Everybody was Kung Fu fighting. Anyway, the match ends. Arisa retains in 21 minutes and 41 seconds, gets her first official... Say again, sorry? I believe that's the longest match of her reign. It is. Um, her second longest is the match against Jungle, Jungle at 20 yeah. minutes and 28. Only two matches in this run go over 20 minutes, which shows you don't need to pad out matches to get all the drama out of them. Um, okay. Um... <laughs> I am willing, Chris, to amend my original grade of this. I think, did I say I gave it a 7? No, you gave. I gave it a nine. You gave it a seven. So we averaged it out as an eight. Um, Are you willing to a nine? I'm willing to give it a nine. Yes. Yeah. I really. Re- the second time watching it, I really, really enjoyed it, and I don't know whether, like I say, it's because I'm more acclimatized to the product or because I'm more acclimatized to the characters and the stories. I just, I re, I enjoyed watching two people kick the shit out of each other. Yeah, there was a lack of selling, and this was my issue before in the, the initial review, if you ever find it on the Young Lion cast. But do you know what? I don't care. As long as it is not glaring and all the damn time, I, I can I can forego it. You know, There's as long like, as it's not offensive. In the jungle match, we'll see that. Risa can fucking sound. That's what I want to get to. So, Chris, do you want to talk about the match from the 30th of June, 2019, uh, Arisa... Hoshiki defeats Roxy at Eve Wrestle Queendom in your call in England. Um, I know you watched this match. Do you just want to give us some uh, cliff notes of that match? It's probably the best Roxy match. Like, Arisa was working like, you know, like when someone's very clearly trying to represent the company, she was working like that. So she was working well, but like not trying to put on match of the night. Because yeah. at the end, you're a special attraction, you're not the main event. And she did that fine. It's probably the second worst defense next to Avery, but also like it, it was fine. It's Roxy. Roxy is very small, and therefore every time she takes a bump, I'm scared she's gonna shatter. Yeah, is it one of those where it's a solid defense, but not one you yeah, should seek out? Anyone who wanted to see a Reese from the Flash um, would have been satisfied, but like. As it stands, unless you want to watch all of them um, or her defences, you just as good skipping it. Okay, fair enough. So we move on to her next defence, uh, which took place on the twenty fourth of July, uh, my mother's birthday. Hi, mum. Like she listens to this podcast um, from the <laughs> Stardom World Big Summit in Tokyo show again at Crackman Hall with Arisa defeating Hazuki in fifteen minutes and thirty five seconds. Now, Chris. Before yeah. this match, I'd only ever seen Hazuki in... Match. No, not necessarily in one match, but in um, high-speed matches. Yeah. And, and then the one, which is very much not high-speed. Yeah, well, this one I enjoyed far more. Now, there's no denying that Hazuki is incredibly talented. Um, mm-hmm. And... Jesus Christ. Yeah, in How the high-speed she- division, she was 22 when she retired. So it could be like twenty three now, something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but in that high speed division with you know the likes of Death Yamasan, Azumi, um, there was you know Starlight Kid. She was she was great. 
she was a really, really good competitor. So I was interested to see how she would work a, you know, a main event sort of style match. And it was completely different to the Momo match and to the Tam match. And Apparently because she didn't go for the legs this she, time. She just tried to kick her. She targeted the back a little bit. And this was the first time yeah. I noticed the tape on the back of Arisa's neck that she would then carry, obviously, throughout the title defences. Um Hazuki took a very, very different approach to Momo and Tam, who, despite knowing Arisa's striking ability, tried at points to out-strike her. Hazuki didn't even bother. She brawled, yeah. she threw... It was the only real one that was like that, with the exception of the Kagetsu match, where she'd launch her into chairs, she'd launch, she'd just work the back, the backbreakers, that. submissions. It was a completely right. different style. It was a Oedetai strategy, basically, including taking her up to the board and slapping her against it. That's just what Oedetai did. It is, um, and it worked because it wasn't what we'd seen before in this Arisa title run. What I did enjoy was when they um, Hazuki throws um, Arisa back into the ring and then immediately throws her out and she only threw her in to break the count. It was lit. It was brilliant. She threw her from one side, Arisa started rolling, Hazuki slid in and then pushed her out the other side. It was brilliant. There's like, why does no one else ever do that? We just do like a quick run in and run out, but now it's just like, no, we're going to take you to the other side now. I think it was uh, this match. Did you notice the amount of empty seats? Yeah, because they hold day- they were holding it as a daytime show. I, right, I, right, okay, doesn't matter then. I, I knew they didn't sell out the day shows, but it was like I'm not used to seeing empty seats on a stardom show. No, that's the thing. We've only started doing so re- um, that well fairly recently. Yeah. Um, uh, what did you but, think of this match, Chris? I enjoyed it. Um, there were some creative spots, for example. Um, when we were both up top and Hazuki flipped over Arisa, normally they go straight into a powerbomb, but no, she just runs, hits another pump kick, and then a neck breaker. It was great. Um, I, I, other than like the Oedetai tactics, I feel like calling this like a standard defense after that. Like Once Arisa started making it more competitive, there wasn't a massive story to latch on. Like, not to say that it's not amazing but the story here is basically these two want to hate fuck each other and there's only so many so much you can do about hate that phrase <laughs> um <laughs> one point that i will pick out and this is what set it aside for me as a match of note is that um arisa had hazuki beaten and then just before the three count pulled hazuki up to hit her mm-hmm. with the brazilian kick um yeah. hazuki then kicked out of the brazilian kick which is a feat in itself. Um, but the look of just... Shock. It wasn't even shock, Chris. It was the fact that Arisa was like, what have I done? I had a beaten, I did one more move, and it could have cost me the match. And she conveyed that emotion through one expression. And it was just one moment in this match, but it really, really got me. It really had me invest in the match, because I was like... Even though I knew like Hazuki wasn't winning, we're doing a retrospective on her really long title reign. But I, I was still like, can you imagine if Arisa had lost the belt by being just that little bit too cocky? A side we haven't really seen of Arisa, and to be but, honest, don't really see very often in her later like, defenses. You saw it more after the five star, but like, yeah, we, ne- we never got to the point where she was just cocky over time. Basically, what Kenta Miyahara was like when he lost the title. 
Um, the, my favorite part of this match was when Arisa m- missed a Brazilian kick and Zuki straight away did an El Magistral and he got like a 2.9. That, see, that's the kick out that got me. That's the kick mm. out that got me. That was fantastic. That was so well timed. And then straight away, Arisa hit a bomb AA from three. Amazing. Amazing. I, I'll be honest, Chris, I enjoyed this match, I think, more than you did. Um, what did you give it? I gave it, I gave it an eight. Okay, no, okay, we we enjoyed it equally. I'll give it an eight then. Um, we didn't rate the Momo match. We probably should go back and rate the Momo match because Momo's I fucking class. Yeah, I gave that an eight as well. Um, so obviously, Arisa um, retains, defeats Suzuki in 15 minutes and 35 seconds. We move on to August and the Stardom X Stardom Show 2019 from the 10th of August. Where very, very good show. I'll watch the rest of this. Um, with Arisa Hashiki defeating Jungle Kiona in 20 minutes and 28 seconds. Chris, what a match. This is my favourite stardom match. Continue. Elaborate. Why? Um, partly because I'm biased. Jungle and Arisa are my favourite in stardom. Is that literally... <laughs> but, but the match is also fucking class. But also, like, yeah, it was like, oh my god, my two favorites. Who I, who do I root for? I was like Cheedy from a Good Place. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, I can't pick one. Um, but yeah, like it's weird because both both of them played their roles perfectly, but also like broke them. I sound so weird right now. And anyway, um, this is like um, the first title shot. Um, Jungle got since Jan broke up, so like this is a good way to see how like TCS Jungle was different, and she was basically still Jungle. She's still gonna lie the shit out of you. Um, what I do like is Arisa sort of doing the kicks just to make Jungle back off. Like she, none of them connected at the start; they were just kick, 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 and it was all like, no, fuck off. Um, and then like Jungle just wouldn't leave Arisa's leg alone. Like, how long was she, was Arisa in an ankle lock for at the beginning of this match? It felt like so, so... She spent so long in varieties of knee bars and just general leg submissions for yeah, what felt um, like about three minutes of this match. But it didn't feel too long. It didn't feel like, you know, when wrestlers are tired and they just resort to rest holds. Yeah, this had a purpose. Like- when say like Randy Orton does a rest hold, it has nothing to do with the rest of the match. But like when they're in a submission here, like Arisa was a always jostling for the ropes. Like the desperation she had when going for the ropes at some points in this match was so like you could feel it through the screen. And then um, she'd still be able to hit her kicks, but she wouldn't be able to capitalize. Like a, she'd put a run together, and she just wouldn't be able to get the pin because she'd hit the big kick and then be like, oh, fuck, that's fucked in the leg. And wouldn't be able to do it. It's so simple, but like so often that gets ignored. It's something um, that I took real issue with, as I've already stated in the TAM match the first time. And again, mm. the the second well, like, time of watching, I thought I was I was a little bit harsh, but here she sells it beautifully. Yeah. Um, and then... <laughs> The meteora getting counted into a apron bomb. Oh my god, it was savage. I know, like she was just like, "Oh, you're gonna try that, are you?" Skeet. <laughs> I've also never seen a power bomb reversed by just literally sitting down. 
Just the yeah, person that's... on your shoulders just literally sitting down. I've never seen that before. No, that's because she didn't just sit down. She just kneeled down. It's like she somehow turned it into a meteora mid-powerbomb. It was, it was, and this is what I mean about in every defense, Arisa adapted and evolved. Yeah, that's that's my problem with a lot of, with, well, I say a lot of, I'm going to just say Okada because that's who I'm talking about. You've got about. Such, a, such a stick in your craw about Okada at the moment. Yeah, because I've, what, I've been watching a lot of like Chris, aces Chris, well. Chris, calm down, take a breath. Okay, this... Jungle versus Arisa. Right. Arisa is better than Okada, TLDR. Um, I want to read a part of my notes for Basim here because the way I'm writing it, it sounds like I would, like my typing is out of breath, if that makes sense. Because so much is happening near the end of this match. It's like, Arisa jumps out of the way of a stinger splash and hits a V-trigger. Jungle then follows, um, follows her up the ropes and gets a headbutt and Arisa attempts a, a lower bomb, gives up and kicks. Um, thing, and then like, there's just points in my notes where I'm going, ah, because I can't articulate what's happening. <laughs> just making noises. Yeah, because I'm just sort of like, ah, what the fuck? Stop, stop moving. Like, um, several duck kicks into a powerbomb, attempting to do a lariat, into a V-trigger, into a lariat, ah, onto a V-trigger and another. And then, like, that note just stopped halfway through a word. <laughs> um... It was moving fast, but it wasn't moving too fast to comprehend. It's just moving too fast for me to be able to take notes. Like, this wasn't a Jack Evans situation. The best... And then, like, Go on. The, my, the bit that sticks out most to me, though, is the Brock Lock. The extended Brock Lock. Oh, this is what I was going to talk about. I don't think... Nobody uses the Brock Lock enough anymore, but the fact that she not only used the Brock Lock by locking the leg around the neck and standing up, but the, she then grabbed the arm as well. To really, really cinch it in. And it looked... I mean, <laughs> you saw Mayu, who was on the outside um, behind them, and she just looked like... It was a mixture of, holy shit, that looks amazing, and, oh, my God, my friend is dying. And it <laughs> it sold the move even better. It oh, well, it looked amazing. What I loved about Jungle also, she also worked over the neck because she's like, well, I can take out the kicks, but in reality, my move base isn't anything to do with leg so I, if i also target the neck i can you know lay a head off like for example the muscle buster the sit out muscle buster the jungle buster yeah which quite frankly should be banned because that's fucking nasty i don't think i ever won't pop for jungle kiona doing that yeah no because like it's more dangerous than the muscle buster which is saying a lot for a move that literally paralyzed tyson kid oh i'm it, it's incredibly dangerous but when done right, it's a case of fucking hell, that looked amazing. Yeah, and Jungle never, like, Jungle hits people hard, but she's safe as houses. She's more likely to get injured than anyone else. The biggest uh, compliment that I can that I can pay Jungle is that, and we've both said this on separate occasions, she's so like Ishii that it's untrue. It's like if Ishii and um, Elgin had a kid. Yeah, you would always trust... Tomohiro Ishii to have that absolute barnstormer of a match. And Jungle Kiona is exactly the same. You put her in the ring with anyone, and she will have a great match. I mean, she's in the ring with one of the best in Arisa. And this match really does show this. But they are sent out of Julia earlier in the year. So and I fucking hate Julia. See, and do you know what? 
Julia is a target for another podcast. I don't, I don't not like her. I will just get that out there. I don't not like her. I think she's got real potential, and I think she's got the potential to be the face of the company. She just needs to work a little bit more. I think she's on the right trajectory. I think they've done well with her so far. I think we're Roman Reigns there. We'll get. I'm sorry. We'll, we're going to get into an absolutely different discussion, and quite frankly, Garth is racing, waiting at this point. Um, so, like, just to the end of this match, a million different strike exchanges. Like, find me a better minute in ever. Amazing. I mean, it went 20 minutes and 28 seconds, and it felt like about 11. Like, that's the thing. Time flew by like it was 11, but also there was enough enough substance in there for an hour. This is something that I really do enjoy about the Stardom product in general. They were able to fit so much in such a little amount of time. Yeah, and it's such a... It's so refreshing in the world that's like, like every big promotion, like like all the big like smarky promotion, like ones that smart and so like NXT, AEW, um, New Japan, they're all obsessed with half hour epics. And while it has its place, it's nice to have somewhere that just thinks, yeah, we can get all our shit in in twenty minutes, so let's just do that and go to the pub. Um, I can't get not give this match a ten. It's my starting match of the year last year, and. Apart from maybe a horror versus Mayu is my favourite um, starter match ever. You did rave about Mayu with horror. Um, you haven't watched it yet. You love Mayu. Watch it. I know. I will. I promise I will. I promise I was on the list. Um, do you know what? I'll give it a 10. I'm in a generous mood. It was It was a great match with two of stardom's best. For me, it was probably the second best defence no, do you know what? I think it was the best defense of this entire run. Tam a very, very, very close second. Um, mm-hmm. I think Jungle continues to show every time she's in the ring, she continues to show that she is not just solid, but an absolutely amazing worker who is able to adapt to whatever situation she's in. Like you mentioned earlier, Chris, her offense is mainly neck based, but that didn't stop her experimenting with different ways of targeting the leg of Arisa. And Arisa sold it beautifully. Sold it amazingly. And that added just that depth to the match that I really loved. You know, Chris, and everyone that listens to this podcast or our New Japan podcast knows that I am a real sucker for a limb match. And this was the perfect embodiment of that. Just the right amount of selling. Just the right amount of targeting a limb without it being boring. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. Thoroughly enjoyable. the Mia Hara Yuma match from um, March, no, February ago, because that's a really good limb match as well. I'll check it out. So, um, Arisa versus Avery. We don't need to talk about this very long. It went seven minutes. Of course, it was fun because Arisa was in it, uh, but also. I'm not very familiar any- with Avery in general. She's, she's fine. She's. I'd put her like on the level of like a Zoe Sky or Layla Hirsch, where I enjoy their matches. But fine enough, they're not bad wrestlers, but also like they're there to get better, so they're not quite on the. It's not like B Priestley now, where she's kind of on the net level enough to have great matches with these people. Like Avery's like a step below Jamie Hayter, where she's still sort of acclimatizing as well. I must admit, I did. We'll get to Jamie Hayter's defense in a minute because I really, really enjoyed Jamie Hayter's defense. That, that was a surprise 
to me, to be honest, how good that was. But yeah, this match was fine. It went under eight minutes. Um, yeah. Again, it's, it falls under the Roxy category of it was a strong enough match, I guess. But also, like, you, you can probably skip it, but like, it's eight minutes. So what have you lose? What are you losing? So, the Kagetsu match. I'm not going to lie, Rob. This one disappointed me. It was the same night that um, Hannah had her title shot at B, wasn't it? It was um, the Stardom World Champion Wars. Um, Yeah. I watched bits of this, and after Kagetsu's match with Mayu, which I was very, very high on, um, which obviously led to Kagetsu's retirement, I was really high on that match. So I went into this match with a level of expectation. Um, And even I was the same. But again, this was the match where the feed cut out halfway through. I don't know what was up with Stardom World when I tried to watch it. Um, that's just fucky sometimes. Um, it's it's well, still a really good streaming service that's actually better than most. But yeah, just just this match was. I don't know what was up with it. Just by virtue of being able to find what you're looking for without a separate spreadsheet made by Lariato. I love you, Lariato. Um, <laughs> Shout out, Lariato. Lariato. Um, I'm not quite sure. Like, I thought now that it was removed from expectation because, of course, Kagetsu is like, was the senior um, sort of um, figure in Stardom, which is weird because she's younger than you. Um, and then, like, Arisa was, well, is the best in the world. So I was like, this is going to be amazing. And then it kind of wasn't, but was still kind of good. I did prefer the B Hannah match later in the night just because of how their personalities were different, but like here, it was fine. But like, I never thought I'd say this about a sub twenty minute match. But you could have cut five minutes off it and and had it be better. Again, I can't really talk because I only saw the first half of it, and there were little bits that dragged. I, I don't think but, it was going to go towards a bad match. I just I think, like you said, you know, you look at some of the defenses. This was the third longest defense. And it, it didn't mm-hmm. really need to be in something that we both praised Stardom for over the last couple of well, the last couple of hours. Is that they Exactly. They know how to condense a match into a more manageable amount of time. Um I just I am inclined to agree with you slightly. I I get a seven. A high seven. Bordering an eight. I don't feel like I can agree or disagree, so yeah, why Would- not? Um, if you ever do watch a full match, let me know. I will um, do. Arisa versus Jamie. This one surprised me because you'll remember, Rob, when I started watching the five star before I stopped, um, I stopped updating because I could tell Garth was getting sick of all these Japanese names he couldn't recognize. Um, that I was quite mad that Jamie Hater beat Arisa in the five star. Okay. Yes, I do remember you saying about how. He said went undefeated, and then it's Jamie Hater who breaks the fucking streak. I remember the message. I remember the message. It was rage filled. Yeah, because I don't hate Jamie Hater, but I'm like, really? She's the first one to beat Arisa? Are you fucking kidding me? I. Something I've seen with Jamie is her tag team with B is great, and I absolutely love that. They have a great dynamic, and Jamie, you know, has that ability to. You know, those brief bursts of power, you know, really show that she's the monster. And, yeah, the only singles match 
that I saw with Jamie Hayter in it before was the SWA Championship match with Utami. And that was a little bit disappointing, I'm not going to lie. Um, I felt like it could have been more, especially you've, you know, you've got fucking Utami in there. However, mm. this... So I went in quite the opposite, really, with the Kagetsu match. I went into this match with no. with very little expectation and came out of it thinking, wow, this is amazing, because this is something that Arisa hadn't faced. She hadn't faced mm. this absolute monster. And again, the on the... Origin, yeah. Exactly. Like this bullish person who can outpower you quite easily, who is, is still it... very quick, you know, dangerously so, and is able to, you know, basically toss you around the ring. And again, on the flip side to the Kagetsu match, this only went 11 minutes and 34 seconds. Mm-hmm. So... This is... Second shortest reign, um, stardom one after Avery. Yeah, we don't know the Roxy match, but I assume it went longer than this. Um, I think it only went like nine-ish minutes. So this is perfect. And again, it showcased a different side of Arisa where she had to adapt, where she had to change her offense to basically deal with this completely new type of threat because Kagetsu and Hazuki, quite similar with the way they wrestle. You know, the Oida, as you put it, the Oida Tai style. Um, Tam and Momo, very, very hard strikers. So in a way, and I'm not saying they are similar wrestlers, but in a way you can sort of put them in a similar, very, you know, sort of similar bracket. But Arisa at this point hadn't faced anything like this in Jamie Hayter. And though she might have been a bit of a surprise defense, you know, she was still quite green at this point. I think she held a very, very good account of herself, and I think Arisa did very, very well in this match. Yeah. Um, it's not quite a carry job, but also Hater definitely needed someone like Arisa to have a match of his quad. I say that, it's not an eight, it's still at a high seven, but it's still good. Um, this isn't one I'd recommend skipping, honestly. It gives, it's probably the best Hater match to date. I think it's the one where she debuted her current look, which I think is a lot better than her old one because her old one looked like she patched together stuff out of um, a charity shop, whereas this one is like an actual look. <laughs> um, like with enough orange hair as well. I think you're probably right. I think it's, again, it's similar to the Hazuki match. It's a good match. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Again, it surpassed what expectations I had for the match but there's nothing you can really pull out as that wow moment. You know, the same as we pulled out of the Tam match, the Jungle Kiona match, or even the Momo match, you know, where there was those moments where you can pull it out and go, Jesus Christ, that's fantastic. You know, there wasn't anything here. There wasn't anything botchy, but there wasn't anything that you could really pull out and say, this is an amazing, an amazing thing, an amazing thing you need to go out of your way to watch. Um, Um, Yeah. Now we have gone to the ones we've already reviewed. Well, not the B match so much, but these two we've reviewed in um, in detail already. So you yeah. don't need to go into too much detail, but like just for the sake of completionism. Um, the Kanami match was fun, not up to the quality of like the first half of her. Um, the first half, or like how I think it's even what it's not even as good as their five star match, but. This was re- a really good clash in your style. So I've had like the technical master Konami taking on. I'm gonna kick your fucking head in, Teresa. It was. I liked it. I think I'm a lot higher on this match than you are. 
Yeah. Um, I, think, I think it builds it up too much in my mind again. I don't think it's that. I think it's, you know, it was smooth. It was solid again. But Konami is one of my favourites. I don't know whether it's because of her submission style as well as being an absolute brute of a striker. The fact that she's that that great mix between two styles. I love that. Maybe you're just a Metal Gear Solid fan. <laughs> Maybe. Um, um, I just, I enjoyed it. And again, like I said to you before, I enjoyed this more initially than the Tam Nakano match. And I think it probably is because, yet again, Orisa is so fucking good. Or, you know, she has the ability to be so fucking good at selling. And here, because Konami is so good at the submission game, Orisa has to sell. And again, we haven't really seen it from the um, sort of Hazuki match onwards. We saw it a bit in the jungle match, but we hadn't really seen it up until this point. That look of absolute desperation in Orisa's... This is the only real one that I felt she could drop the championship Mm-hmm. during the match because I thought the matchup between her and Utami was an interesting one beforehand but here I felt well, Konami had a real chance of taking the championship of Arisa mm-hmm. um, what did you give this one again? I gave it a high 7 I think I gave it an 8 oh. um, actually I think I think we end up agreeing on 7 because we gave Kagetsu May match an 8 well I'm going to pull rank and give it an 8 because I've changed mine on uh, Tam Okay. Um, so then it was the ninth anniversary show, um, Utami versus Arisa, and I still stand by my love of this match. I lo- what um, you know how like we talked about like each match was great, and then you had the moment on top of it that took it to the next level. For me, that moment in this match was when um, Arisa hit her bomaye and her um, and the moonsault, which normally wins her the match. But then um, she pulled up the um, busted open acting like she's concussed, but she's not really Utami up by her hair and just look, gave a dead, uh, dead-eyed dead look down the camera. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm so, I, I love Arisa, I love but oh my god, I'm so scared right now. <laughs> there are moments through our entire reign where you look, and again, the best comparison I can give is, you know the dead-eyed Kota Ibushi? Arisa does yeah. go something similar to that. Exactly, it's that. It's sort of like, this happy-go-lucky figures just suddenly went all serious. I think mean, she only went all serious because basically Utami had the audacity to step up and she was so sick of these people. I was a... The main issue I had with this match is the same issue I had when I first watched it, and that's the head injury. Um, I still don't think she was actually injured, though. Like, she, she wrestled two days later. Well, two days later is two days later, mate. That's That's irrelevant. <laughs> If you get a concussion, you're not getting, you're not wrestling two days later. Doesn't have to necessarily be a concussion. I play cricket because I'm really, really fucking cool. And um, <laughs> I got no. It's, it's so weird when we were in Blackpool, right? Um, I got I got some random beers from the Morrison's in Bolton before heading over to Blackpool, and because um, I drink weird beers, and one of them was like this honeycomb one. And he was like, oh, that's what we um, had on reserve in Cricket Club. I'm like, that's the most English thing I've ever heard in my fucking life. That's one of the craft beers we had at the Cricket Club, darling. Um, yes. You even said darling, and then pulled your cock out. It was weird. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I... Like I say, I play cricket. And one of the <laughs> things... Like, I've been hitting the head by a cricket ball. 
and not being concussed, it takes you out. You lose all (laughs) sense of things. You can lose sort of your peripheral vision. You can you can lose all manner of things. And just because it wasn't a concussion doesn't mean that she hadn't had. You know, look at the Kenta versus Ishii match at Royal Quest. Kenta Kenta wasn't concussed, but he had his bell rung. Yeah. And look at the damage that did to the rest of the match. I'm not saying that this match was a really bad match. It wasn't. It wasn't a horrendous match. But the injury, and I do think it was a legitimate injury. I do think it was a legit, not a botch, because I don't think, I think it potentially just went a little bit too far. But I do think that Utami had a bell rung and it took away from the match. It took me out of the match. I know it took a significant amount of the fandom out of the match. That's not me ragging on people that enjoy the match. That's not me telling you you are wrong if you enjoy this match. I'm just saying that for me, as a fan, personally, I couldn't quite get into it. And it's a shame because I think Utami is absolutely a future wonder of stardom champion and quite possibly a world of stardom champion. Yeah. Um, well, she's a super... Did you see how many fucking belts she held last year? That is true. They are obviously very, very high on Utami and rightly so. Yeah, um, I still stand by my eight for this, my high eight for this one. I think we are always going to be divided on this match, and that's fine. You know, we can't agree on everything. Um, I think, I think part of it is just my my bitter disappointment that a match that included Arisa and Utami wasn't the barnstorming classic that I wanted it to be. I think that's the issue I have with it. I do think of like all the um, eight plus. Um, 8 out of 10 plus matches on this card it's the worst one apart from maybe the tag match which I also gave an 8 but like Tam versus Kagetsu early in the night was probably the best match and um, one of the best matches of around the 10 minute mark I've ever seen like it was unbelievably paced and then May versus Momo which was of course like just a barn burner <laughs> As you look, but again that's the thing you looked at Arisa Utami and you looked at Mayu Momo and you just you had that feeling about those two matches, and whereas Mayu and Momo delivered, I think Arisa and Yutami would have delivered, I do just think that that, that head injury did just take it out for me. It's it, Again, it's personal preference. I, I don't expect many people to agree with me, and that's absolutely fine, because I am a twat. So that is absolutely fine. Um, anyway, the last Chris, match. the last, the last defence was the 8th of February. It's so weird because we skipped this. Um, we skipped this one for some reason. I think it's because we had too many Corrigans of near each other, so this sort of fell by the wayside. No, I think we spoke about it. We spoke about it on the Cinderella show on the third yeah, episode. I think we only spoke about it like very briefly. We did. We spoke about it briefly because we also spoke about the night when B and Jamie Hayes took the tag titles off Jungle and Konami. So there's no, definitely yeah. two yeah, we shows. About that because that was the ninth anniversary because we covered that show in film. Um, no, because because we also match, had no people gate as well. No that was why. That's, that's why because we had to cover no people gate obviously because so many important things happened on that show like Captain Stardom. Um, <laughs> that is great. Okay. The three faces of one. <laughs> the Sire Eater. <laughs> anyway, do carry on. And she gets destroyed by Natsuko Tora. I think that's disgusting. Uh, and uh, Saki Kashima, she's the James Bay of wrestlers. What's wrong with James Bay? James Bay will never release a song that I consider a classic, but will also never release a bad song. He's perpetually fine. <laughs> well, 
Yeah, actually, that's probably the best way of describing Saki Kashima, to be fair. James, she's the James May of wrestling. James Bay, not James May. She hasn't presented fucking Top Gear. <laughs> Jesus, she's not that bad. The James Bay of wrestlers, um, along with, like, in that part of, like, Dolph Ziggler and 2018 onward, Yoshihashi, it pains me after that 2017 G1. Yeah. Um, anyway, this match. I enjoyed because Arisa had been um, mocking B Priestley for months by training with Will Ospreay. And then had stolen Will Ospreay's move. Well, yes, that idea using the Oscar yeah. Which is one of the most gifable moments of 2020 in, front, in stardom terms, where Arisa goes for the Oscutter, or as she calls it, the Shining Star Cutter, which is also quite a good name. Um yeah. And B just catches her and German suplexes her over the uh, onto the other side of the ring, which is fucking great. She springboards and does it. It wasn't like she went up, ran up, grabbed her, and like it normally takes a second and threw her. She went up, springboarded, and threw again across the ring. Like people who say B hasn't improved clearly aren't watching the front. Oh, B Priestley has improved exponentially. I mean, yeah, like, I, I would argue because I've seen a lot of. At this point, I've seen a lot of Tony Storm's world of stardom run. I'd argue B's um, world run was better than Tony's. I think... I think the only problem was she potentially had that belt too early. Now, that's not me saying that she shouldn't be the world of stardom champion. Clearly, we just wanted a bridge to get it onto Mayu without having Mayu beat Kagetsu. Despite the fact Mayu's first feud was Kagetsu. Kagetsu, yeah, absolutely. And it's, I, it's, it's almost like we wanted the spotlight for that time to be on Arisa. To be perfectly honest, I think B Priestley had some had some great matches, and I think she is a far, far improved competitor because of it. If, and again, if you look at the ratings on the website, um, I gave most of her defenses an eight. Exactly, and I think. She has improved it, like I said, exponentially because of that reign and because she, who she was in the ring with. She was in top-tier talent. And that shows in this Arisa match because this, for me, along with the Konami match, was were easily the best defences since Jungle Kiona. Yeah, but these are the best... Po- well, I still think you'd tell me. But, like, yeah, I've, it's weird because Arisa had, like, a tiny low in the middle. And by low, I mean seven out of... Um, Seven out of ten instead of eight out of eight uh, between eight and ten, but like after from the um, Konami match onwards, she was just putting on banger, banger after banger after banger after banger because like no one hits better than Arisa at that stage. Like, again, like in terms of it's like it is Kenta Mihara where like not every match like she she's not infinitely watchable in random tag matches like some like someone like Osprey would be. But then, like, every title of defence, you have to watch that title of defence, no matter who it... Again, Arisa, basically... Um, she was given the stardom equivalent of Yoshitatsu, who would be pro- probably Saki. Um, <laughs> she would pull a great match out of it. Actually, I think that's asking too much out of anyone. No, no Saki's good in ring. She's just bland. I think that's the she, issue. Yeah, again, the James Bay of... Yeah, she's good right. in ring, but again, as you've already said... Bland. I'm not going to spend 50 quid to go see her. No, um, absolutely not. Just, yeah. But, uh, honestly, I think people will just shit on any B Priestley match for the rest of the time because of how she was at the start of her stardom run. But, like, I, again, I, she got so much better. 
throughout her run. Like she now doesn't seem out of place as a contender. And honestly, like her tag, um, her tag sample of Jamie is perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Again, they're like the shithead gaijin. It's just the classic Japanese wrestling trope. Ever, like the Miracle Violence Connection or whoever Stan Hansen was teaming with that week. It's just how it is. But I mean, I will say this: they both contribute um, due to, to Sado having a better tag division than fucking New Japan. Jesus. Easily, easily. I mean, like that's not hard. Like. We could start a federation of literally just me, you, and Garth and still have a better tag division in <laughs> Japan. But, yeah, it's just a great one to end on. It's one of those problems that didn't have, like, the depth. Like, it didn't, again, it didn't have, it, it had, like, cool moves, but it didn't have, like, the character moment that I start looking for in the recent matches. But, again, the mistreatment of Utami or, like, the look of desperation. She never, she never overly had that. Oh, by the way, I never told you about my favourite bit in the lead-up to the Jamie Hayter match. Um, where Jamie Hayter came out, challenged her completely in English, walked out, and she just sort of sh- shrugged. She was like... <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? It's like um, when Taguchi got on the mic after a Kenny Omega promo and went, I don't speak English. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I can agree with you on um, the Arusa and B match. I think... <laughs> Is A of ten on moves alone, but it didn't have any character moments. Yeah, it was the moves were great and impactful, and again showcased just how much B has come on. And Arisa again looked phenomenal. But when you compare it to the Tam match, when you compare it to the Jungle match, when you compare it to the Momo match, there was something like even the Konami match. There was. There was a little thing like, and I think it was maybe, you know, whether it be the selling or whether it be an underlying target or whether it be a common thread throughout the match. The match was great and it was, the moves came across great. I agree with you that there was something missing. I still gave it an eight because I still really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's still, I kind of wish she could have ended on like, the classics of the first year, but like when you think about how much pain she would have been in at this stage. What she's putting her body through at this point, and again, if she has been suffering for a year, which is what she said in her official announcement, and you look at some of the matches where she is incessantly dropped on her neck, that poor woman must have been in absolute agony. And she states, you know, that she was in such mental and physical distress that she couldn't she couldn't get them to balance and i feel so sorry for her because you know she clearly loves the profession she left and came back because she loved the profession um and yeah it means we are done out of the 10th anniversary match between mayu and arisa that um rossi agawa <laughs> said was going to happen which would have been fucking amazing planned for simo hall which is crazy I think if you're going to do a sumo hall show, that's the caliber of match you do. And that's, in my opinion, that, that would have the... been the biggest match Stardom had. Yeah, like, that would have been the biggest. Like, I think that would have had the most attention since the EU Mayu matches. Yeah, um, absolutely. It, it's such a shame. Um, I, it's the reason I'm not, like, upset that Utami's reign sort of had a tiny different quality. Because, again, so ha- I I stubbed my toe and, like, used an excuse to not get out of bed in the morning. And then she's there going, yeah, well, my head's almost falling off. 
but I'm still going to wrestle. Yeah. And she needs a lot of credit for that. Um, I mean, we do, we we wish her every success in whatever she does, you know, post this, presumably carrying on with J-pop. Um, I know with the dream. Thank you. I was just going to say what they're called. Um, but it is sad that we don't have her anymore. And I've got a question I wanted to ask you in a little bit uh, regarding the Wonder of Stardom Championship. Because obviously that's now being held vacant with Arisa having vacated it after um, over a year in that reign. And what a reign it was. We had some absolute classics in there. The Momo... I mean, the top match is there, Chris. Momo, Jungle, uh, Konami. I I really like the Hazuki match. And then obviously the Tam Nakano match. I think those are the matches that you really go to. Mm-hmm. Again, like watch all of them. Well, maybe no. Yeah, all of them. Like it's hard to have a tighter reign and not dip below a below a six. Like it's yeah, that, it's so hard to guess that. Like she dipped below a seven once, and that's because um in Stardom, and that's because of um going less than ten minutes. The woman was a phenomenal talent, and. She was the reason that so many people got into Stardom. When she retired, the amount of people who said, oh, she was the one person that got me into Stardom. And I know, as we've already mentioned on this podcast, Chris, you were one of those people. The fact that she is not there anymore, the fact that she is going to be such a huge miss, it's going to be so weird. And then, obviously, alongside the tragedy of Hannah as well, Stardom is going to be a completely different landscape when we go back. And we have been watching. Sam's been a completely different landscape. Kazuki's gone. Kagetsu's gone. Andras seems to be gone. I don't know where the fuck she's gone. Um, they've started bringing in outsiders. Like, Siri's still a... Um, she's a freelancer, I'm pretty sure. Um, brought in Julia, who I keep getting told was good in Ice Ribbon, but I don't give a fuck about Ice Ribbon. Um, You're yet to be convinced of Julia. I... I'm it's like because she had a very good character match with Hannah, but anyone could have had a really good character match with Hannah. It was Hannah. Yeah, true. Um, she's let she's yet to have a match with someone who isn't already amazing. Who's like she had a Saki match, and I and I was in tears for how bored I was. Let's give a time. Let's let's give a time to really progress i mean she's only young as well give her time to progress give her a couple of really really good matches and we'll revisit it and see how you feel okay let's let's see how it goes no no i'll let you know because i've i feel that obviously with everything that's gone on julia is going to have to go towards the top of that card you know she's one of the biggest stars stardom has got well she was going to challenge arisa wasn't she I imagine what would have happened is that Julia would have taken the white belt off Arisa and then Arisa would have challenged Mayu at the 10th anniversary. I imagine that was where we were going. You reckon it would have been like Arisa winning the five-star? Yeah. I would have got at the 10th anniversary. I think that would have been perfect. And then Arisa take the red belt at the 10th anniversary show, yeah. I reckon that's the perfect story arc, yeah. Yeah, because... We need to get that belt off that fucking jobber. Uh, <laughs> you leave me out of this. <laughs> My question to you then, Chris, <laughs> now. With Arisa 
obviously having retired and with the wonder of stardom championship being vacated i know what i would do with this and i've already told you what i'd do what i'd do with this would you do the same a tournament or would you have something else to crown the next Since, champion and who would you crown as your champion because of the initial um wish being null and void julia still has a wish so i say you do you have julia wish for the wonder of saddam championship to be hers and then that makes her mega heel because the saddam fans already aren't taking to her do you okay like, do you do you wish I... just to have the championship yeah, no, like she wishes because it's not on anybody. She's like, well, I wish I just have that bacon championship. It would become hers. And then, because like you saw it with Five Star and in every other promo, she's at the cut. If they die a death, she is getting, it is literally Roman Reigns. So, like, have that be part of the storyline. Have that natural. And then, like, you can have someone like Tam chase it and have it be like the Kenta Goto story from earlier this year where Tam's trying to avenge her fallen friend. And then that could be, like, have a go against. Julia, because Julia in storyline, I guess, is still capable. Have Julia um, squeak by Tam and then have Tam win the five star, get the match against Julia and have that 10th anniversary. And in the meantime, have Julia in there with some credible people to build up her reputation. You know, have um, have her face like non Natsuko Tora, although that's probably one of her better matches. Um, like maybe even have a have a Mayo match at some point to just fight. you get get it on on Julia try and make a as mega heel as possible have a beat like flat crowd favors like Konami and Jungle and then there'll be Tam chasing the title and Tam eventually gets that title. By the time Stardom comes back, and certainly by the time crowds are allowed back, we will be around the five-star Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. And that's really going to help Julia because in her block, she is going to have great workers. And you're absolutely right. Someone like... It gives her a chance to have a match with Mayu without, you know, the stipulation of the red belt. She gets to have matches with Konami, with Jungle, with uh, Momo even, with um, Utami. Even, even within her faction, Siri would probably be good for her. Exactly. We just, we've listed six matches that would be absolutely great. And, you know, even if you're not the biggest Julia fan, you think, oh, she's going to stink up. No, because we've just proved that they all have great matches. So they can help her improve. They can help her develop her style because she's got the gifts. That fucking Stealth Viper is an absolutely sensational submission move. It's one of my favourite submission moves. She does have decent moves. She just needs to put it together in a more compelling match. I think that's probably where I'm coming from on that. Yeah, again, it, it's because um, it's also her character because basically her promos consist of you, Love, and Julia in various degrees of that order. She's like she's like Lance Archer, but I like Lance Archer. Well, okay. I have a slightly different approach to you and obviously we know um that you want or you think Julia is going to end up with a belt. I agree. I think Julia is going to end up with a belt. However, I don't think they are going to turn a heel. I reckon they are going to push her as a face or as a tweener at the very least. And I think what we are going to get is we are going to get some manner of um, 
Sorry, just filling in the bracket. I reckon we're going to get some manner of tournament, perhaps an eight-woman tournament. And I think these are likely to be your competitors. I think you're going to have Julia, B. Priestley, Momo Watanabe, uh, Konami, Tam, Utami, Jungle, and Natsukatora. Right, okay, question then. What's Julia's wish? I reckon they'll just forget about that. Um, <laughs> no, they'll, they'll think of something out. They... In 2017, I no 2018, May won the lifestyle and did nothing with it. <laughs> it. It wouldn't surprise me if that's sort of written out quietly. But I reckon that's going to be the eight-woman field. And I reckon the final of that tournament is going to be Julia versus Tam. And I think Julia goes over Tam. And then I agree with your storyline. I think Julia goes through some defences against some of those credible opponents that we talked about before. And I think she eventually drops it to Tam later on next year. Yeah, because again, it's the Goto story for Shibata. And it never doesn't work until Goto's involved. But Goto won't be involved, so it's fine. (laughs) Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, um, I think we're going to call it time there. Um, I hope... You know, we, we've looked very briefly at Arisa's last tile run, but we do actively encourage you to go and watch those matches that we have discussed. Um, they are really, really good matches. Arisa was a special, special talent, and the fact that she has retired is awful. Um, again, we wish her nothing but good health and hope that she does carry on to do great things. It's just a shame that we won't get to see those great things in stardom. Um we look forward to seeing what the future holds for the wonder of stardom championship. Um, hopefully again, with the state of emergency being lifted in certain parts of uh, Japan, including Tokyo, uh, hopefully that wait won't be too long. Um, just to reference again, obviously rest in peace, Hannah Kimura. Um, you'll always be in our thoughts and hopefully something good can come out of this again. If you haven't already, go and check out the Eastern Lariat um, testimonial tour. It is beautiful. Um, thank you so much for listening, guys. We really, really do appreciate it. Um, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Uh, go and check out the website, www.podmania.co.uk, where you can check out all of our archived episodes and all of our match ratings, which are all together in a handy tab. Um, you can talk to us on Twitter at, at the Stardom Cast. Um, check out the YouTube channel, 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 um, at <laughs> Real Podmania. Um, the Facebook, go and join the group, the Podmania Podcasts group, just to chat all things wrestling. Uh, you can talk to me on Twitter at at real Rob Goodwin. Chris, where can they find you? And Bushi. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Bushi. We really do appreciate you listening, guys. Thank you so much. We'll be back in the middle of June to talk, as Chris mentioned, about Jungle Kiona's feud with Queen's Quest. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Rest in peace, Hannah. We'll be back next month. <laughs> <laughs>